Welcome to the Urban Shepherds Podcast. We are a community of urban Christian pastors and leaders serving together to advance God's kingdom. This podcast is for men and women interested in being encouraged by lectionary teachings, inspirational stories, and a fellowship of urban believers. The Urban Shepherds Podcast Hour will include four brief scripture insights on each assigned weekly lectionary Bible text to help you understand and God's Word, or if you're teaching on the text, it can help you prepare for the week's sermon. These studies are provided by Christian leaders from around the country. We'll also include some amazing testimonies, great ministry highlights, and interviews with people advancing God's kingdom in the city. Listen every week as we grow together as a movement of God's people. Thank you for joining us this week as we study the text for the first Sunday after Epiphany. Our lectionary topic is the baptism of our Lord. Going to have great contributors this week. Clark Boatwright and Chris Stewart from uh, Christ the Victor Fillmore in Topeka, Kansas, and also uh, associate pastor of CTV or Christ the Victor Freedom Initiative in the Kansas City area, Will Stevens. And today uh, I get a chance to give your Old Testament study summary in Isaiah. And I want to be sure to thank all of our returning podcast listeners and welcome all the new Urban Shepherds podcast listeners this week. We are a movement of urban shepherds, urban believers trying to advance the kingdom of God in the city and around the world. It is such a great group of people. Just this weekend, I had a chance to visit with the leaders of a CTV or Christ of Victor Church a movement here in the Wichita, Kansas area. We had a great meeting. Uh, uh, it was called Christmas Connections, led by Randy and Monica Pennington. It was such an amazing time of testimony. I had a chance to speak a, a few words myself as well. And it was bringing, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Christ of Victor churches, we also have. Uh, churches planted inside the prisons. We are building leaders uh, from the hardest and darkest places of this world. Great men and women that are seeking to uh, be, not only be free from the past, but also be ready to build the kingdom uh, inside the walls and outside the walls when they get out. So we this weekend had a chance to bring their families together and hear some of the testimonies, support and love some of those families. And it was just an amazing time. You know, there are so many people doing such great work in the city. We've got to acknowledge them, support them and make sure that they know that they are not alone. That's part of what this uh, Urban Shepherds podcast is uh, going to do. And so thank you for supporting us. And also, if you are an Urban Shepherd or if you know of somebody who is making a difference with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the city, make sure to send us a message. You can uh, send us a message through email. Uh, follow us uh, on our podcast and you can send a message directly to us. I can't wait to hear your voice added to this podcast movement. All right. So let's get ready to uh, pray and then cover our Old Testament text in Isaiah. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan, proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit 
grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God in glory everlasting. Amen. All right, let's begin with our Old Testament text of Isaiah 42 verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teachings, the islands will put their hope. This is what God, the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs forth from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, who have called you in righteousness, I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness." I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or praise to my idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. There, before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Wow, what a powerful image that Isaiah has brought to us of the coming Messiah. And as many of you know, in this Old Testament, this is from the prophet Isaiah. And much of his uh, entire book is really centered around this message of the Messiah, of the Savior, of God coming to save his people. And not only in his people, but the world, uh, which is described in this uh, in this particular verses as well. Um, you know, one of the things that stands out to me in this verse is not only is it a message of hope to the people that Isaiah, the Jews that Isaiah was speaking to, uh, who were, uh, often not only in exile, not only, uh, 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 in those dungeons, not only being held captive, but also needing hope, needing uh, the the word of the Lord, the the image of a savior. You know, sometimes it is that hope that we have in our heart that gets us to the next day. Uh, but the two key words that I really saw in this verse are two words. Number one is chosen. Uh, and number two is justice. You know, he is the chosen one. He is bringing justice to this world. 
we have been chosen to receive his grace and forgiveness from the sin and justice that we deserve. You know, this new covenant, a covenant to receive the mediator of grace, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, beholding the servant, uh, being upheld as, as the father says, his chosen in whom his soul delights. Uh, it's so amazing that even out of those first uh, few verses that uh, justice is is, is the dominant theme. You know, verse one, I have put my spirit on him. He will f- bring forth justice to the nations. Verse three, he will faithfully bring forth justice. Even v- verse four says he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in this earth. And, you know, sometimes I don't know about you, but I have oftentimes in my life, and thankfully those are in the past, but I have not wanted to see justice because I've been wrong. You know, justice is that virtue which consists of giving to everyone what is his due, what is right, the impartiality and fair representation of the facts uh, concerning you. Did you do it? Did you not do it? Is justice, you know, judges are here and, and, and the authorities are here to bring justice to what to write. And often I've been wrong. I have done wrong. And so the fact that justice is waiting for me has scared me and has 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 caused me to to run and hide and not seek out justice. But this chosen one was here to bring justice. He was bringing not only justice, but a new covenant. Christ is the new covenant. He is the one who is who has given us this 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 covenant of grace, this this mediator and messenger of the grace of God into the earth. He is he has brought the light of the world to the Gentiles. He is the one that we do not have to be afraid of. We do not have to hold back or run away, but we can seek this new covenant. We can open our eyes. We can be uh, brought out of the prisons and the dungeons, and we can sit in light instead of darkness. We want the chosen one. If I was uh, preaching this this Sunday, uh, one of the things I would make sure to uh, convey to the people and to the congregation would be, number one, is that we do deserve justice. This whole world deserves justice. We are in the wrong. We have sins not only against each other, but we've sinned against God. We have allowed the enemy to trick us and to put us into chains, and and we've done it to ourselves. We are the ones who deserve justice. That's why we can look, and we're so thankful that God has sent his son. God has sent and chose the one to bring justice to the world, because not only did he bring justice, but he brought a way out. He brought a new covenant. He brought the light to the world, and especially to us who did not know him, the the Gentiles who did not know of this Messiah, but he's brought us into the fold. I know that for my life, I need to be reminded that not only has the chosen one been sent to save me, but that I've been chosen, that the gentleness of our Savior, the one who even in this scripture says a bruised reed he will not break, meaning when my soul is 
is sore, when my soul is hurt, when 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 I've been bruised in my life, he will not break me. And it says, and and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. See, sometimes there's so much dark in my life that that it's just about to go out. But my Savior will not quench it. My Savior will not blow away or snuff out that least little bit of seed of hope and faith that I have. But he is chosen to grow it. He's chosen to save it. He's chosen to give me new light, new life, and to heal my wounded heart. So I hope that you can not only take away from this scripture, but even in your time this week and in your prayers this week, that you'll have that opportunity to be thankful that you're chosen. Be thankful that the chosen one has redeemed us today. Well, thank you for giving me a few minutes to share on Isaiah chapter 42 from my heart. Now let's get ready for the uh, powerhouse duo of Clark Boatwright and Chris Stewart from CTV Fillmore. They are going to cover both the Psalms 29 and also Acts chapter 10 verses 34 through 43. All right, let's get to it. Hey, brothers and sisters, this is Chris. And I'm Clark. And we're from CTV Fillmore. In Topeka, Kansas. And we're here to talk about serious things, but not to take ourselves too seriously. So, Clark, you took the lead on our text from the Psalms. Uh, This week, we're looking at Psalm 29. What jumped out to you uh, from this text? Well, it seems kind of like the obvious point when you read this text um, and you go through verses 1 through 11. But to me, the thing that stands out is that the voice of the Lord is powerful. Um, you, you just over and over again in these verses, you see the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. It breaks the cedars, um, breaks the cedars of Lebanon, flashes forth like flames, shakes the wilderness, causes the oaks to whirl, strips the forest bare. Um, so just over and over again throughout the text, you're seeing that the voice of the Lord is powerful. One of my professors um, 15, 20 years ago, I can't remember now, uh, Probably talked longer about longer than that. You're kind of old. I'm not listening to you. Neither <laughs> are they. We'll edit that out. Uh, but he, he pointed out that geographically uh, and, and probably just the sound of this, it sounds like thunder and uh, thunder blowing, a thunderstorm blowing in off the Mediterranean, up over Jerusalem and, and then back down the other side of, of the mountain and off into the wilderness. And, and, and it's just, it's just like a thunderstorm. And so I think of that every time I I read this text, I can almost hear it. Yeah. And then I loved what you said at the end of that, that uh, when you get to the end, then may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace, peace after this storm, um, the Lord's voice coming through. Yeah, I could just hear the quiet and the rain dripping off the rooftops and, and just that, that sense of peace after a storm. It's pretty awesome. Beautiful. So what, uh, tell us, tell us about this Psalm. How do we dig into this? What's the, what's the context? So Psalms are notoriously difficult to, to preach from, to research, um, to know a little bit about the, uh, 
the background of. But as I was reading about this and learning about Psalm 29 here, one of the things I found is that most most scholars, um, you know, people who research this a lot more than we do and are a lot smarter than us and have more time to to read about these things than we do. Um, they, th- they think that this was actually originally a old Canaanite hymn that it may have been, this is a, the, the layout of this, of this Psalm of this hymn is similar to Canaanite hymns to Baal. Ba- am I pronouncing it? Baal, Baal, Baal. So, so one of my rules for <laughs> pronunciation of names, especially if it's not the Lord's name, I mean, Baal, Baal, however you pronounce his name, he's he's not real. And uh, so, you know, in a house church, I, I want newcomers to feel welcome reading scripture, people who are not used to reading it. And so I, I try not to make a big deal out of his name. I've heard Baal and I've heard Baal and that guy also works sometimes. Anyways, that guy, <laughs> Baal, the, the, the main uh, heavenly god of the Canaanites, um, they think that this may have been originally a, a similar in, in structure to a hymn to, to Baal. But um, what we have here is um, David taking, possibly, I like to think of him taking this, uh, that a hymn that he knew is to the Canaanite God and just switching it saying, yeah, no, the, the Lord is the most powerful one. The Lord has a voice that thunders. The Lord is the one whose voice is over the waters. The Lord is the one whose voice is most powerful, who shakes the wilderness, who flashes forth with fire, who strips the forest bare. That's our God is hmm. is the one whose voice is most powerful, is supreme. So we kind of take, I imagine him taking this this structure, this hymn um, from for a pagan God and turning it into and giving God glory in, in, in that way. And so I he, think that's pretty He redeems something that the Absolutely. people were, were singing maybe and redeems it, makes it, makes it for God. Yeah. And again, we don't know if, for sure if that's true, but that's a pretty cool thing to think about yeah. someone redeeming um, a song in that way. Um, so one of the things is, as I was looking at this too, I was like, okay, so this week, um, the main gospel text is the baptism of Jesus. Um, what does this psalm have to do with the baptism of Jesus? Because all the texts seem to have, from our lectionary this week, seem to tie into the baptism. But then when I read Psalm 29, I'm like, huh? I was expecting to find Psalm 2, you know, this week where, where, um, where, where we have God saying, you are my son. Where I mean, the you are my son with whom I am well pleased in the Matthew passage. That's a combination of Psalm two and our old Testament passage for the week, Isaiah 42. So you would think that those would be the two passages, but they're not. And in fact, every single year in the lectionary, we read Psalm 29. So that kind of struck me where I was like, huh, why Psalm 29? This seems like, you know, this big voice of the Lord, um, this, 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 this hymn of power, um, what does it have to do with the bat with baptism of Jesus? What does this have to do? And so, so I was looking at the lectionary. I was thinking about okay. So in the Matthew baptism story, we have we have a picture of the Trinity going on, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We have the Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus, um, and in the Acts um, lesson for this this week that that you did research on and that you studied, um, you you see the Holy Spirit 
pouring out on the Gentiles. And then the point of that passage is the Holy Spirit um, being anointed to Jesus and then anointed to his disciples um, throughout all the nations. Um, so you have the Holy Spirit there in that text. And the Isaiah text that we had for this week, we have the servant of the Lord, my chosen in whom I'm del- in whom I delight. So you have the you kind of get from that Isaiah passage um, who Jesus is, mm. and so then I think you get the third person of the Trinity here in Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord, and how powerful it is, and how authoritative it is. So it makes you think as you read the baptism of of Jesus. Wow, that's the voice that spoke um, while John was bapti- baptizing Jesus. This powerful voice is the one that said, this is my son. That's interesting. Well yeah, because there's a couple times when uh, the voice of the Lord speaks and, and uh, it's got to be in Acts. No, it's in Luke. It's Jesus. And, and the people mistake it for thunder. Yeah. That's it's in John. Whoa. It's in John. Yeah, it's in John. Where they Clark, mistake it for Clark, you're one of my favorite lectionary nerds. <laughs> so bring us home, Clark. How do, how do we apply this to our lives? Okay, so... First of all, um, especially in our house church setting, um, this isn't Psalm 29. Is not what I would be preaching from. Um, there's a lot of a lot of technical words going down here. I mean, I don't want to spend all my time um, talking about how Lebanon skips like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. I want to I want to focus more probably on the baptism of our Lord this week. Right? Um, you don't you don't want to the the Lord makes the deer give birth is one of the translations in verse. Yeah, you, I know. you don't want to no, preach wanna, about that. I don't want to preach that one. Um, <laughs> not that I don't respect and love God's word, but I think that this is a supporting text for what we want to be um, preaching and teaching this week. Um, and the hymn, I think we sometimes try to get too much out of the Psalms when what they're meant for is for prayer and for singing. Um, so we will be praying from this passage. But as I was praying through this Psalm this week, personally, what I got out of it was, okay, so if my main point is the voice of the Lord is powerful, whose voice am I listening to? Am I listening to his voice or as a pastor? And I think we can all relate to that pastors who are listening to this podcast, um, Am I just immediately jumping into what other pastors say or what other commentators say? Am I, I personally sometimes will, not sometimes, all the time read a passage and think, how do I teach this? Instead of reading it and thinking, okay, what is God saying to me? Because if his voice is the most powerful and his voice is the one that changes everything, Mm -hmm. then I need to be listening to him first. And it's not to say don't read books, don't read commentaries, but it's saying, First, I need to be spending time listening to his voice because it is most powerful. And then the second thing, especially for pastors, especially for people who are ministering in the city, I think it's to remember that um, my voice is not the most powerful one, Mm -hmm. that my people are not relying on me to change their lives, or at least they shouldn't be relying on my voice to change their lives. It's God's voice. It's God's word that changes lives that is most powerful. So at the end, it says, may the Lord bless his people with peace. The Lord has blessed me with peace from this Psalm by reminding me that what I say, don't take myself too seriously. Right. Right. Um, what I say isn't that important. It's ultimately his voice that is going to change lives and change the city. So that's the, that's what I would say. Listen to his voice because it's most powerful. All right. That's awesome. Good stuff. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Enjoy God. Enjoy his word. Enjoy his people this week.
Hi, I'm Clark. And I'm Chris. And we're with CTV Fillmore. In Topeka, Kansas. And we're here to take God's word seriously, but not take ourselves too seriously. And the text that we're going to be looking at here is from Acts 10, 34 through 43, um, where Peter is preaching the gospel to Cornelius and the Gentiles. Uh, Chris, you you studied this passage this week. Um, what stood out to you? What what jumped out to you from this from this passage? I just I love this story. the The whole chapter, the the Cornelius praying, Peter praying, and then Peter goes and speaks the gospel. And I, I just I love this the whole chapter. It's awesome. Yeah, and what, what's kind of interesting with this uh, with this passage is that as I was looking through the lectionary, this story is told every single year. In electionary year A, year B, year C, at different times, a couple times in Easter, um, this time during the baptism of our Lord. But um, it must be a pretty important story um, to the church if every single year we're repeating it, um, this story. So so what, what, what did you get out of it? What did you see? Um, but one, one, one of the things I think we talked about is that you only get a little bit of the story here in chapter 10. So why don't you talk about that a little bit, Chris? Yeah, I I think I would count that as a frustration for me and a potential, uh, potential to point me at the, at the wrong thing. Cause this, this week we're looking just at Peter's sermon, which is a weakness of, um, myself as a preacher is sometimes I focus too much on my sermon and, um, not enough on prayer on the role of the Holy Spirit, um, I, I take myself too seriously, and I take my sermon too seriously, and so I think I don't know if that's a weakness of the lectionary, um, a, a, a pitfall, you know, potential danger. I'm not sure what to call that, but at, when I look at passages like this, I want to go back to the author's original intent, and I, I can't just look at Peter's sermon. I have to look at the at the whole chapter, and I, I can only understand the whole chapter if I understand what Luke is doing in this two-volume set. And so for me, whenever I look at Luke or Acts, one of the first things that comes to my mind is um, in Luke chapter 1, where Luke is is introducing his story and he speaks about Theophilus. Um, We don't know exactly who Theophilus was. It, It could be. Some, um, some scholars suggest that Theophilus, God lover, is just a generic name meant for, for all of us, yeah. for, for you listening, for me, for you, Clark. Uh, we are lovers of God. And so he's saying, hey, Theophilus, I wrote this for you, God lover. Um, I tend to think because he uses the title Most Excellent Theophilus, Most Excellent is um, would have been a title back in their day that was a little bit like your honor. It was a title used for um, someone in a position of authority in the government. And so what I think, I don't know this, I'm looking forward to meeting the Lord one day and ask him some of these questions, but I think he was um, he was paid by a patron named Theophilus, uh, someone who was an, an official in, in the Roman government who became a believer and then maybe started to doubt. And, um, and so Theophilus said, hold on, let me go do some research. 
I want you to know for certain that this is, that, that what you have already believed is true. Uh, Theophilus, you can trust what you've been taught. I'm going to go research it and, and print these two volumes just for you. So in that context, um, uh, Luke is telling the story. Uh, and he says in, in, in Acts 1, he says, you will be my witness. He quotes Jesus. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And as you look at the structure of the, the book of Acts, that's, that's kind of how he lays it out, this story of, of God's word spreading from Jerusalem and then all Judea. And then in chapters 8 and, and following, it, it spreads to Samaria. And now we see um, God using Peter to spread it to the Gentiles. Wow. That's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. I think that we tend to get bogged down in our 10 little verses and forget um, what, what the author was saying in his entire books. That's good. That's a good point. So why don't you break down a little bit what was going on in this specific chapter in chapter 10 um, leading up to Peter's sermon? So the first thing we see is uh, Cornelius. We find out as we read the whole chapter that Cornelius was praying and um, while he's praying, an angel appears to him and says, hey, go send for Peter. And then we see a scene where Peter is on the roof of his house and um, he's praying. Somebody's preparing his lunch and he's hungry. And um, God uses that moment to speak to him uh, through food and, um, you know, the lowering of the sheet. And uh, and he says, hey, what God has made clean, do not call common. Peter wakes up from this trance, from from seeing this vision. He's like, oh, wait, what? What does this mean? All of a sudden, there's a knock yeah. at the door, and Cornelius's men are, are at the gate, and uh, and they want to see him. And he's like, whoa. And so he, he goes with them, and uh, he meets Cornelius. The whole household is gathered, and, and he's like, Oh, this is trippy. What am I? What am I supposed to do? And then, uh, and then Cornelius tells his story, and now Peter's like, "Okay, whoa! I guess I get to be a witness to the end of the earth. God, God has called me to speak to um, every nation, everywhere, anyone who fears Him, uh, who does what is right and acceptable to Him. I'm, I'm gonna preach to you the good news of Jesus Christ." Yeah, it's pretty amazing as you read this chapter how everything just starts to fit together with Cornelius, with Peter, um, and it's really it's as eye-opening to Peter as as to Cornelius that oh wow the gospel is going out to all the nations, not just um, not just Israel, not just um, a few places surrounding Israel and Samaria, but everyone, even even the hated Romans. Yeah. And you you will be my witnesses. What's a witness? A witness is someone who sees something and then tells about it. And Peter includes that in his sermon. We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Um, and so he, he just says, I, God called me to be a witness uh, to the ends of the earth. Here I am. You are the ends of the earth, you Gentiles. Um, and so I'm just going to tell you what I have seen. And he, he tells him that one of the interesting things, one of the phrases that jumped off the page at me was that it says, you know, he was raised and he appeared and, um, 
where does it say it? He we ate and drank. Yeah. Verse forty one. Yeah, God has chosen us. He ate and drank with with him um, after he rose from the dead. And that phrase, uh, you know, just in Luke and in all of scripture. I mean, you see it with Moses on the mountain with the 70 elders in Exodus, and um, they ate and drank with the Lord. It's just this strange little sentence that, what, what does that have to do with anything? And eating and drinking with the Lord um, is a powerful thing. Uh, where is it in, in uh, is it Luke? The end of Luke yeah, on the road to Emmaus, yeah. and uh, and those guys eat and drink with Jesus, and bam! All of a sudden, their eyes are their opened. Eyes are opened. That's right. And uh, so, uh, for me, that just that eat, eat and drink. That's something we do every week in our house churches. Uh, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We eat and drink together with Him. And for our house church, we have a, a full meal, which is just a, a powerful, I think, a powerful proclamation of the gospel. So just, just a little extra there on ate and drank. No charge for that one. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then I think it's important, and you pointed out these four verses that come, five verses that come right after verse 43, where then the Holy Spirit falls. And so connecting to baptism here. Yeah. The Holy Spirit falls and, and you got to read the whole chapter to get that. It's not in our, in our uh, text from the lectionary today, but uh, man, that's so important. The Holy Spirit falls and, and almost interrupts Peter's sermon. And he's like, again, <laughs> yeah. Whoa, I, I mean, I didn't even give my invitation. What's it? You're already, wow. And so clearly God is the one who's at work. God's the one who sent the angel to Cornelius. God's the one who spoke through a vision uh, to Peter. God's the one who falls by the spirit, uh, right. Interrupting Peter's sermon. And so this is, this is his story. <laughs> it reminds me of the transfiguration when God interrupts Peter as he's talking, right? <laughs> Sometimes the Lord just interrupts Peter and is like, all right, let me work now. So, um, Chris, what, what's the principle and what, what do you think God is asking you us or you to do personally with this text? So um, this week. Yeah, I think the main point goes back to Acts 1 8. You will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And uh, our, our ministry here is a, is a lot of outreach to youth. And, and one of the phrases we use is every kid. Oh. We want to we want to proclaim the gospel to every kid. It's it's never finished. There's always one more kid to reach. And um so the principle that I'm drawn out of it this week is we will be witnesses to the end of the earth. We're going to keep pressing in in our cities, reaching the next person, the next person until the whole earth has heard the gospel. Amen. That's a good word. Um, I think that's all we've got for today. Um, so I'm Clark. And I'm Chris. And enjoy God and enjoy his people. Amen. Fantastic, Clark and Chris. Thank you so much. What a great team uh, that they have there at CTV Fillmore. Really appreciate them adding their voices to the Urban Shepherds podcast. All right, let's get ready for Associate Pastor uh, Will Stevens of CTV Freedom Initiative in the Kansas City area. They just had their launch service uh, just this last week, January 4th of 2020. What a great week 
way to start off the year. I'm so proud of uh, Pastor Matt Thomas and uh, Pastor Will Stevens doing such great work, uh, just spreading the gospel, advancing the kingdom in this world and in this city. You've got to connect with them. Find them at CTV Freedom Initiative uh, online, on their website, on Facebook. Uh, Follow them, find out what they're doing and support the work that they are accomplishing for the city. All right, let's get uh, with Will, Pastor Will Stevens and Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. This is Will Stevens, Associate Pastor with Christ the Victor Freedom Initiative. I'll be bringing you today's gospel lectionary from the topic, the baptism of our Lord. So it's the first week of Epiphany. And during the season of Epiphany, we invite the church to affirm that in Jesus of Nazareth, the light of the kingdom of God is shining in the dark realm of the devil. Epiphany has to be my favorite season in the church calendar because it's all about the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it's only fitting that we start at the baptism of our Lord, which was literally the start of Jesus' earthly ministry. Which I think also kind of parallels our own walk, right? Our own baptism, which is our initiation into the body of Christ. And it's really where our walk with Christ begins. So let's jump right into the text. It's in Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So there's a lot we can take away from this text. Understanding that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And we know that Jesus had nothing to repent of. He was literally sinless. So the question automatically arises, if Jesus was sinless and had nothing to repent of, why was he baptized? And we see in the text that John tried to deter Jesus. He said, you come to me, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, this is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Understanding that baptism 2,000 years ago had a little more broader sense than it does today. We automatically think of baptism as just water baptism. But we see Jesus later on at the end of his ministry tell his disciples, I have a baptism to overgo and how I'm under constraint until it is fulfilled. Speaking of his death. So Jesus' baptism that he received by John, doesn't fulfill our righteousness. It's probably better understood that Jesus' life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection fulfilled all righteousness. And I truly believe that Jesus was baptized to relate to us, 
right? Just like in our baptism, it's us declaring to the world, I'm no longer this person. I'm no longer who I was. I was going this way, and now I'm going this way. I am now a follower of Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. I am a new creation. And, and baptism is symbolic of that, right? That the old man is dead and the new man is raised. So just as we relate to Christ and our baptism, I'd like to think it was Christ relating to us being baptized. And just as Jesus was affirmed by his father at his baptism, right? The spirit descended on him like a dove. And we hear the father say, this is my son who I'm well pleased. It's the same for us when we're baptized. Our father is looking down on us and saying, this is my son who I'm well pleased. There's definitely some takeaway from this text. I'm a firm believer that life is full of mountaintop experiences and valley moments. And in my own Christian walk, I found that after my greatest victories, after my mountaintop experiences, always come my valley experiences. And we see this paralleled in Jesus's life, right? This is definitely a highlight of Jesus's life, right? He's being affirmed by his father. But we see if we continue on in the text, immediately after he's led out into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. So again, that parallels our own lives. Because much of the time after our greatest victories, after our mountaintop experience, come our greatest testings and our greatest trials. We also see this mirrored in the life of Peter, right? And the, and the Mount of Transfiguration, Definitely a highlight in Peter's life. And right after he comes down from the mountain, he's rebuked by our Lord and Savior, right? So if we take nothing else away from this, we can take away that after some of our greatest mountaintop experiences come our greatest stumbles, our greatest trials, and our greatest testings. And that's definitely been true in my own life. And just knowing that helps me because I'm not caught off guard. I'm not surprised. I'm always looking for it to come. So that's my takeaway from this. Maybe that's encouraging to you. Maybe it's not. But just knowing if God's hand is all over your life, expect testings and trials to come, especially after mountaintop experiences. Again, this is Will Stevens with Christ of Victor Freedom Initiative. Stay blessed. Thank you again for joining us for the Urban Shepherds podcast. I hope this has been an encouragement to you as you study the Word of God through the lectionary text or just as you just are advancing the kingdom in the city. We want to hear your voices. Please follow us, subscribe, and uh, like, maybe review the podcast, and share it with your friends and family. Share it with those believers who are seeking to advance the kingdom in the city. Again, just thank you so much, all the new podcast listeners and all of our uh, returning podcast listeners. We would not be able to do it without you. If you'd like more information about the Christ Victor Church Plant Movement, you can find us at our website at ctvchurch.org. 
You can find out more information not only about us, but about the CTV churches and how you can become a part of this urban movement. We just thank you so much, and I want you to be blessed in the city.